and welcome to the 11th Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Melancon from Debacle Records. Each week, we pick a Rancid song and talk about it and all our complicated feelings surrounding it. Um, and this week, there's a, there's a lot of those. Uh, so, I picked, it was my pick, and I picked Red Hot Moon off of Indestructible. <laughs> So yeah, Indestructible, the 2003 album, came out in September 2003, produced by Brett Gerwitz, of course. Uh, the song is written by Tim Lars and the infamous skinhead Rob. Um, and, actually, uh, Brett Reed has a credit. Oh, really? Yeah, which we can talk about when we get to okay, the, that's the bridge, I think. Okay, interesting. I've got a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts about Brett, actually, today. Um, Brett Reed, not Gerwitz. Mm-hmm. Brett Gerwitz, whatever. Um, yeah, so this was what, is this the second single off of Indestructible? I yeah, I believe so. Um, one of the things that really, oh, and Indestructible, which I had, I did not realize this until I was looking at this, it charted at number 15 on the Billboard chart. That really surprised yeah. me. I think it's um, one of their biggest, like, is it their second biggest album? Yeah, and it, um, I don't even remember, did Outcome the Wolves ever get that high? I think it got that high, yeah. Okay. I mean, and I think, they did it in a, in a time where I'm sure the multiplier was so much bigger. You know? Yeah, I mean, it said, like on this one, it said, uh, I think they sold like 50,000 copies in the first week, which is still a lot, but, um, you know, in the 90s, people were selling a million copies. And I don't think Rancid was selling a million copies in a week, don't get me wrong, but... Um, no. But they did hit platinum with an outcome of walls at some point, like around this time. It finally yeah, and, and apparently, I something I was reading was talking about the um, sort of mixed feelings or backlash around how poppy this album was, which I thought was pretty interesting, considering yeah. like I mean, I don't know. I don't think I don't I don't even think of this as like their. I, I don't really hear record. this like people talk about the clean production. I actually always think Brett's production is so muddy. So like. Yeah. I I I don't fully get the clean production. I think because there's a lot of harmonies on the first two signals. Yeah. Like Fall Back Down is so saccharine that that's what people are responding to. I think that's actually, right. There's a well, lot of like holdovers from 2000 in the vibe, you know what I mean? Like well, it's still pretty raw. And that was I mean my my entire impression of this album before we started doing all this was it, it basically was Fall Back Down. That was what I remember and I hate that song. And yeah, I hate, like hate 100%. everything about it. And so um as I've dug more into Indestructible, it's been like, wow, what the fuck? Like, where did, was this? Like, I mean, it, it's it's been pretty surprising. Um, yeah, I mean, this was 100% like the end of Rancid for me, right? Like, I got this. I wanted to like it. I was also really at a point where I was ready to move on, right? Like, I right. think I bought this, you know, it's weird to think I bought this after the Black Dice record or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, like, exactly. <laughs> 
you yeah. know, like, like I'm sure I did. And like, you know, I was listening to Isis and Botch and Black Dice and well, Mortems and all these things that, you know, I just this, kind of careened into a whole other world. Yeah. I mean, this came out in 2003, in September 2003. And in May of 2003 is when I started Digitalis. And, That's wild. And then Fox Digitalis, like the music site, started in like October, November of that year. And I was, I mean, I still, the first band I interviewed for the, for Fox Digitalis was Landing, you know, just like, Andy. oh yeah, Landing. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, this was, I, I was, I was, I hadn't, I didn't give a shit about this when it came out. I think yeah. I maybe heard it once. I don't even know if I, I felt like, okay, it's time to wipe my hands of this and be done. And this is my high school going away. Right. And, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff around it. It's interesting. I obviously got, I was telling you, I bought a bunch of the CDs so I could like hold them again and like look at all the old stuff. And this is obviously a reprint because this one doesn't have the Warner logo on it because that was the other uh, thing. Yeah. Because they had a Warner Brothers distribution, which I believe ended up being just what Epitaph is. Like it was a test bed for the like, Epitaph is mostly owned, I think, by Warner Brothers now, like as a distributing, like it's not owned owned but it has like a big amount of the shares of epitaph i mean epitaph I think is so, so yeah. huge right i mean and um yeah they just can't distribute i mean the truth of it is they they couldn't distribute the level that they would they would want to distribute at you know i mean right, right. epitaph is like i think quite bigger than we think it is because of what anti does all the stuff that anti does like uh-huh. like i think that's a bigger record label than anything epitaph does yeah i mean like tom waits is on yeah exactly and i think (laughs) i think there's a bunch of things basically underwritten by warner anti-epitaph that like we don't even know because it's mostly these like weird like development deals and like all these things that like very very like big music business stuff that i don't understand you know and so it was kind of inevitable they were already the biggest indie of all time you know it's kind of like how sub pop same thing for them they're owned by whoever right like um or majority owned. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, and that was like kind of a big thing back in the. It was so huge because they had created this whole. I mean, this is that problem with the myth making that they do, right? Yep. Like they made this whole myth around themselves of like, we didn't sign with all these labels. The Madonna photo thing, all that stuff is like what people remember about Rancid in the nineties. And well, and this huge deal was made that they stayed with Epitaph. They said it's like they stayed with Epitaph, and then it's like they didn't oh, really Epitaph. sacrifice anything. <laughs> Yeah, like, like this is a end. sort of distribution deal. This is Epitaph, Warner coming to Epitaph and saying, hey, if you let us distribute it, we'll take a cut. It's like, I'm sure for a band this big, right. that's nothing. That was like mostly gravy. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't like they got caught in some horrible deal. As I said, I'm looking at the current one. It doesn't even have that, probably because it's just assumed that all the Pirates Press Epitaph stuff is all one big right. conglomerate. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, like, what a weird thing that that was the, there was a really huge amount of sellout. And also, I mean, let's remember, like, early, two, like, 99 to early, like, 2004 was, like, the, the end of culture, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Like, like, we're talking about, you know, Ransom moves to L.A., L.A. is just the worst, you know, like, we're at the height of, like misogyny is back in a big way in as like a cultural thing you know what i mean like it almost became very like familiar. a cultural touchstone you know yeah and it was like very not. yeah yeah exactly 20 20 year cycles <laughs> 20 year cycles yes exactly <laughs> and like it just was just this like 
this really gross everybody has money yeah everybody you know like the everything on mtv was about um sort of a lavish lifestyle culture everything was you know this was the beginning of the reality television revolution yep. like and it felt like ransom kind of was part of that because they were like close with um what's her name kelly um osborne and like right like like there was just this kind of pull i think for an la musician to get more and more you know yeah i'm sure their houses were kind of gross at this time you know what i mean like i sure. kind of wonder what everybody's houses looked like around this time you know like like yeah, well and i, I think like, i think all of that is too is a big part of why i was so um, yes uninterested like you know and that's where it was go- going into way more experimental obscure places because i wanted to my, i wanted to be as far away from that 100 um, and so and like this was the the one the other thing i was gonna say that was, this was that weird period of time where they were like positioning themselves next to all the emo bands like they there was appeared in that newfound glory video which they seemed so out of place they looked like people that came off the street (laughs) when like travis and him were like just appear for two seconds in that new glory record with a bunch of like like nerdy like they literally i think have like pleated slacks on and like are doing this pseudo hardcore show and it's this very goofy video and it's this very boring pop punk and uh, you know they were in that they were like really close with all the good Charlotte guys who were like if you want to talk about the you know crossover between punk and pop culture you know and all the people they married and all the you know like I don't get like it felt like Tim was trying to get relevant and younger you know what I mean and like him and Davey Haddock were just like let's be friends with every (laughs) you know right every emo pop you know thing we can find you know and and it just uh all of that adds up to you know you just feel this like real revulsion and and to to all this is coming to of like yeah this got put immediately on the shelf and it's like i'm done with rancid i'm on to these other things this doesn't hold a lot of value to me anymore exactly and that but so that's been the interesting thing coming back to it 20 years later with this distance and i you know i don't I don't think about all that other stuff immediately. Like, I mean, okay, that's not entirely true because a lot of all the stuff you were describing too about Tim, this seeming desire to, you know, be relevant and insert. Clearly, I would imagine, um, and not an uncommon, but a reaction to the whole uh, divorce thing. Yes. Like midlife crisis. Yeah. Um, and the divorce definitely hangs over in the whole funny it's funny that this record yeah. when they were all older and this is more like the mature breakup where it's like she's healthily well i don't know about healthily but she's getting out of the relationship and all these things and he's been feeling so sad and whatever like that's not the part that's gross it's actually like life won't wait that is kind of gross yeah, because well, like that's closer to when they got married when she was like just barely 18 and all this stuff right. you know? well and yeah, and, and this, I mean, and that's, you know, the songs on Indestructible that are directly about all that, like Fall Back Down, uh, Tropical London. Or Tropical the two London, yeah. Um, man, it's rough. They're rough. <laughs> and it's... I and, have a weird mixed, like, like, hate for Tropical London. But same, which I don't want to talk about. We can talk, I mean, yeah, I, we can get there, yeah. Um, 
But I don't know, like, the thing about Indestructible, you know, you mentioned, like, a lot of this feels like 2,000 leftovers. Or not a lot of it, but some of it. And totally. A chunk of it, yeah. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's like this weird amalgamation of 2,000, like, some life won't wait and outcome the wolves. Like, it's. I think it's a lot of an outcome the wolves. I think this is the last album. And I know we're doing a big album review here, but that's kind of, you know, whenever we hit the first big. Because Fall Back yeah. Down, we didn't really talk right. about the album. Right, 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 right. I'm fine with this. Like, the thing that I was kind of thinking about recently was, like, it's the last time I heard An Outcome the Wolves. Because if you go into the future, they get a lot more rock and roll-y. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, like that kind of stuttered, punk, British sort of clashisms, like, kind of fall away. And they go more back towards the, like, it's very rockabilly and it's very, like, rock and roll becomes the more presiding type of punk. And that sort of, like, chunky and ska kind of up-tempo ska stuff kind of falls away for the most part and there was you know this is immediately not immediately but a few years later followed by the thing we did the big deep dive on. right it's like um you know they're, they're obviously trying new things it feels like this is the but somehow this feels like an end of an era it feels very related it, to it very does and out yeah. from the walls and of course it's the last record with brett reed the drummer yeah well and it's and i think there's there's also parts on that on you know we've often talked about like them exploring their sort of like experimenting more and going into and then we kind of got as we <laughs> listen we're like oh maybe not but so i mean like arrest in shanghai is like one of the weirdest rancid songs yeah i, I we got to talk about that sometime but like yeah. i want to yeah i don't i don't but, know if i have can explain my feelings around that song Right, well, but I think, like, to me, there's more good different on here than bad different, maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think of this record as being, like, very meat and potatoes, to be honest. Like, and it's, and I don't say that, yeah. you know, within the context of, like, life won't wait, meat and potatoes. You know, like, 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 there's, I don't know, like, Memphis kind of has a transplant thing going on, but for the most part, it's it's kind of like it feels like a really good retrospective of like the sounds they make all the way up to this point like if you go from let's go especially because the first record just kind of stands on its own but if you go from let's go to this record it kind of feels like this is a summation of like first era uh, rancid yeah and then i could see that and then they they like really struggle to figure out what the hell they're doing for yeah i i, I yeah. think that's true yeah <laughs> And the other thing about this record, so I've done this whole flip like 10 times in this spring since <laughs> in summer since we've done this. I've been like, okay, I'm going to try this. Because the other thing we, we should say is like for a huge amount of people, you know, it charted at 15. It was sort of at this new generation of music. Right. They were in all these like emo bands, you know, faces and everything. For a lot of kids, like this is their record. And a lot of people will say Absolutely. this is their favorite record, right? Um, I think... Which is weird because like a lot of people consider this the most personal record. I think the rancid disease of they don't have anything to say anymore and they're making up things to say uh, starts here. Absolutely. Like, I mean, there's most. It's mostly other people's stories and random, and then random shit like the Ivory Coast, which I actually really like that song, but it's like what the fuck. Yeah, or, and like, or you know, kind of trying to do these things that they've done before. Like it feels like also rancid. I think lyrically, this record is really flawed. I think musically, the whole thing that has happened for me is like, wow, this is like 
kind of makes me happy in a way later rancid records even ones we like wouldn't you know and it's it's a real yeah. mixed bag it's 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 a really for me right now today it's a really rough listen because i go ah, ooh, ah ooh. you know like i'm just like i'm up i'm down i'm happy i'm, I'm sort of annoyed and like it as much as some people like i think put it on this pedestal i think you can really hear did you see that quote where he was talking about the genesis of this album and originally it was going to be a real clean follow-up to um to 2000 and it was gonna be very political like 2000 and you know you can hear that on django and some other things right and like um but then the divorce happened and joe died and right. he like they scrapped it and then he went and wrote all these other songs and he was talking about how like billy joe armstrong told him it was his best record and all these things and like i just hear the like three records trying to happen at the same time element of like there's transplanty yeah. songs there's these minutes 2000 songs and then there's woe is me divorce songs and kind of like i'm on the road again kind of like trying to get that youthful energy back with like born frustrated and spirit of 87 and all these things like where they're really trotting like old ground of like right just you know out on the town dudes you know like like there's kind of this like and i find that kind of a rough listen again like i've like fully gone on this like oh well there's way more than i remember here and then i've full i've like folded back to i don't know <laughs> maybe there's not and i don't know it might be you know i'm like on some period where i'm like i don't know what are we doing with this whole rancid thing but like i i will admit it's a way better listen like just a cursory put it on the background listen than i ever thought it would be yeah, I I think so. I, yeah, I agree that like lyrically, it's pretty rough. Um, I mean, it's got, and it's uh, God, it's got some like the worst, worst lines. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I, we're not talking about the song, but the my weapon is poetry. Saw line. It's like, like <laughs> it's like maybe the worst Tim Armstrong line ever written. Every, oh, in the God. delivery on the oh, it's too. so it's so earnest and just yeah. uh but yeah i mean musically so yeah i think i think part of the reason like i i really started digging into this in the last i don't know last few weeks uh last month after we like when we did the dominoes fall deep dive it made me it's like okay i really gotta get my head around all these other records that i because like the first five i've i i know up and down um and so yeah i mean there I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth on it too. I like two weeks ago, whenever I picked this, I was like, man, I'm like pretty like into this. And then, yeah, like now it's like, okay, there's a handful of songs I really like. Um, and th- so and part of the reason I picked this song is it's like the best of times, the worst of times mm-hmm. <laughs> because yes. the, yeah. the first two thirds of the song it's you know it's them doing that out from the wolves kind of ska thing it's a little i mean it's not exactly that but it's it's got some like life won't wait vibe to it and it's really good like i think it's like the it's just it's really good it's like it's like it's 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 kind of wild how much to me i can identify it as being like Vic co-wrote this song it sounds yes. like a slacker song like very much so yeah and tim i was like wait is Vic on the chorus and i looked it up but i don't think he is but Tim is obviously echoing his phrasing. Like I heard him 
Um, yes. Take a bus down. To, like, he has, like, when he does that to the graveyard shift oh, tonight. Uh-huh. Like, like, I hear the New York accent of Vic Ruggiero, like, in there. So I was like, I feel like this is one of those times where Vic is a fifth member, you know, and, like, really, Absolutely. really, really, really co-wrote this with them. And, um, and... I have a real soft spot for him in the Slackers. Like, there's nothing revolutionary about the Slackers at no, all. No, but it's... But it's quite good, you know? Like, right. it's really for, fun music, right? Like, and Well, it's one of those things, too. You know, they're a great example of... You can be a really good band and be completely unoriginal. And yeah, that's okay. 100%. Like, yeah. A, not everybody needs to be, you know, reinventing the I always would, thing. like, wrap myself around a poll about, like bands just LARPing as other things like I'd always use that term like they look like they're wearing the outfits from like 50 years ago and they're just want to be this like ska meets New Orleans band and all this and really at this point in my life I don't care I'll play a Slackers record on (laughs) Sunday morning and have a really good time with my son and it will be like a great little bluesy ska record right and you know what if that's what you want to do if if you want to put on the suit and act like and be in a band play you know go for it I don't go for it man that that's like, so much more putting good things in this world than what right. most human beings do. Exactly. Like we should, so many people rip, like this is a good topic, completely off topic, but I'll, let me get one minute on it. People rip into artists for not being perfect. For, whoa, what was that word? Perfect. <laughs> uh, like original, new, oh, important artists with massive value all the time and i always talk about how people pick the wrong targets it's like this is where you're gonna put your vitriol right. like this when the world is you know even other art other music is so oh, bad i think about like uh, I, I, the the ire a lot of people throw at people making like and, and obviously, this, uh, I take this very personal because this is the kind of music I make. But, like, making, like, you know, synth music and, like, acting all... Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, this I, is... I, you know what? I remember it, people, like, what was the... Who was the band that just wanted to shit on pavement every other second? And I was like, pavement? That's the thing you're mad about? Like... I don't know. Look, I mean, I, Smashing Pumpkins did, right? But I don't think that's you. I don't think that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking no. about it was more like a more obscure band, talking sure, about I'm a more sure. hardcore band, talking about I'm ripping sure. the pavement constantly. Or I think about back in the day when all Mogwai was like merch was ripping into Blur. This is the second day. It seems yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah, a Blur yeah. stand. I'm not a Blur stand at all. But like, but like, I'm like Blur is what you're mad about. Like Who we cares? live in a world with like everything happening outside of yeah. music plus the shit happening in mainstream music. And you're gonna be mad at Blur? Like, give me a fucking break! Like, no, I, I hate co- that. I hate, oh, I hate that it so too. much. And it just—it's yeah. like, like, and it gives me. I hate it because it gives me weird guilt. Like, I literally—I will admit right now—I will sometimes put on something like from Hellcat that I know is kind of like this reductive, you know, slackers yeah. is a great example. And I'll go, I shouldn't like this. Like, I'll really think that out loud. Like, yeah, I, I, like in my head, wh- who? Did I allow into my brain to, to let me, like, do that? Like, who... Like, that's so awful that I've let that person, that thing, into my brain, and I couldn't enjoy a really fun little, so, like, kind of blues record. You know, like, these bluesy sky I, Yeah, records. no, like, and, I, and I think it's... So, 
and again, this is, I mean, this is our whole podcast is like psych, psychoanalyzing <laughs> like these dudes. Yeah, this is but, it. <laughs> right, but no, but I mean, so I think about it in the in the context of Rancid, and I think about you know we've talked about how Dominoes and Honor like they're they're fucking out in the weeds, and it's like they don't know what the hell they're doing. To me, there's this feeling of this internalized and, and and again i feel this as somebody who makes music but this internalized pressure of well, we got to keep pushing doing something different you know we got to keep and and it and when you start doing that and really think like that's when you can go and just down the wrong path and just do really shitty like and no one's having fun no one's enjoying it and, and so, like part of what i think makes troublemaker like a record that i genuinely like is that they kind of just said fuck it like, we're going to just, you know. There's gonna... a little bit of like, oh, we, we have this new shift towards rock and roll. Right. That like, it's comes not out on that record where they're not trying to sound like 90s pop punk anymore. Right. Well, you and know? it's, and, it, and you know, and it's not innovative and it's not, but it's, no. but yeah, it seems like it's this thing that's like, we're, you know, whoever it was on Twitter who said they're like the great, greatest American rock band in the last 30 years. It's like the kind, and, and that's like, that is not cool at all. Right. In a way, like to, yeah, 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 yeah. And and to me, when I listen to Troublemaker, and I know we're supposed to be talking about Indestructible. No, but this is good. I like. Like, that. they kind of it's it's there's this feeling of like, yeah, fuck it. That's what we you know that's what we're, we we well, are. It, it it splits the difference between caring and also the like. But this is what we do well, so we're just gonna do yeah. it. Yeah. And it seems like some of those other records, they've been they. There's a difference between going through the motions and going and embracing it. And I don't know what the difference. It seems like it's a very small thing. Thing, but to to bring this back to the not to the song, not not actually what we're supposed to be talking about, but that feeling I have, right, of feel like somebody's policing my own yeah enjoyment, right. I hear Lars talk. I you know we were talking about his AMA, which was a disaster, and like, <laughs> and in general, I don't. There's a lot of things about Lars I don't like. There's also a lot I really love. And I mostly am like, get out of your own way, man. Because right. he seems so religiously devoted to this concept of punk rock, which to me, by the way, misses most of the point of punk rock, right? Right. And I just go, chill out, man. Like, buy a guitar <laughs> pedal. Like, right. listen to some weird shit. Make some, quote-unquote, soft music, man. Like... Your world would be so much better if you didn't have all this anxiety of, am I achieving correct punk? But it seems like he spends stupid amounts of time. And I'm sitting there going, well, I do it too, obviously, right? Like, right. I just do it with a wider lens. So, like, I get it, man. But, like, you are you have all this place where all these places you can go, you actually have all this leverage in the world to go do something interesting. And you're kind of, you seem very afraid to do it. And yet you start, like, ten projects. He has so many bands and all these things. Right. And it's like... It's like, you know, I think it took years for him to finally admit, I mostly want to make Kiss, you know what I mean? And I think he spent a lot of time being afraid of people, what people would say, because he mostly just wants to make this really simple pop rock and roll songs, you know what I mean? And and I just kind of feel for the guy and say, like, in my head, I'm like, I wish you could just not have this over yeah. your stuff, because I think your stuff would get better. And I think you probably thought about that less on Life Won't Wait and which is one of the best Lars records ever. You know what I mean? And it's just oh, like, Oh, for sure. But it's the weirdest ones too. So it's like, I would really love to hear what a hardcore, like a true hardcore, not just like a blast beat hardcore, but like a heavy hardcore Lars song would be, or what a 
really cool like scrunky pop no wave song from Lars would be like like they I know they have it in them and it's like but it's so funny to get so pissed as I do like I'm actually feeling kind of annoyed by them right <laughs> at times and then look at myself and go and I can't put a slackers record on sometimes because I feel like I'm not living up to my cool weirdo music it's right like, right like so I'm I'm right there too so like I get it I obviously get it but like Man, I, I've been really wrapped around the axle a little bit on, like, uh, why do I like these guys so much? You know, I'm, like, kind of having that moment again. Right. <laughs> and and uh, and and really annoyed by the fact that they are so, like, just get out of your fucking way. But then it's so funny. I was thinking, you know, it kind of came up in this, that, like, I love songs with Vic Ruggiero on it. I think he's a great little songwriter. Like, yeah, I'm so the reason this song kicks ass is because when Tim and Vic write a song together, it seems really good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if this and, if this song ended after the third chorus or fourth chorus, <laughs> oh man, like, um, oh, yeah. It, so let's get to the song. Sorry that this has been so rambly, but I've obviously yeah. And we ha- and and you know full disclosure, we haven't recorded an episode in like two and a half weeks. So yeah, this is what happens when we, <laughs> we go on vacation. To, yeah. <laughs> So, I'm having a lot of feels about this. Oh, man. Uh, but Too yeah, so this is, um, you're right. I think this song, you were kind of talking about how this, this feels like one of the cleanest reggae, I would call this like a real rock steady sort of yeah, song. But then they kind of have that, you know, I love the, when it's the sort of gang vote, it's like almost like gospel-y, the like, yeah. like that's going on behind yeah. fucking yeah, yeah. Rob. I love, like, God, if the song just ended on that, I mean, it does end on that, but ah, oh, it's such and it's such a nice kind of tweak on the formula. Yes, um, it is. It's it, there's something different about it, right? Like I, I don't associate this sound with a lot of rancid ska. No, again, I think it's kind of a slacker song. I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely got that vibe. Um, the, I mean, the lyrics are very, got you know. This, it's just Tim telling a story. Somebody I read somewhere that somebody claimed this was about Matt Freeman's sister, but I don't think that's true. I, I don't believe so. He has. Did you know that in Indestructible? I didn't know this until recently. Sorry for making it sound on the mic, but uh, every song has a garbled, you can, can't really read it, a note about it. Oh, I didn't know that. Before like a, each lyrics block no. from Tim. Oh. So he says, Casey was a super. Uh, super fucking bright. She was by far the smartest kid. This is about a girl who never fit in. She never found a home where she felt like she belonged. Great. But in the end, this song... Do you have a weird feel? Like, I... in uh, Sorry, I can't gather my thoughts. I uh, have a different feeling listening to the song than watching the video. Yes. Which, you know... The video, I feel like, misses wildly. Yeah, so it's... I yeah I have a like an I I have a note here so on the video it's funny because it's notable for the fact that it's not your it's it not is a, a video right like it has a narrative and it but semi narrative but and- again so <laughs> this is it, it's like the, it takes it back to the God I wish they would experiment more ooh maybe that's a bad idea so it's like ooh I wish they would make a real video. Ooh, this is a very good. Maybe it's this video is quite of the time, and it's mostly about a lady getting like molested at her job. Yeah, and then like dying of an overdose. Yeah, and it's like, 
and they make I, I do have a little bit of a you know this is a thing that happens with a lot of music but a, definitely a rancid thing of taking a really really tragic thing and making kind of a laid back track about it and yeah. that's such a like I think that is like a 70s rock thing you know what I mean and I like, always, like yeah I always think of the I always think of the Tom Waits quote of like I want bad news from a pretty face yeah yeah and 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 i can't you know i don't know i kind of i like i i kind of go for that sort of dichotomy but that's um but it's always weird when it's like not their story yeah and it's also a little bit like i don't know in modern lens of going so you're talking about this poor lady who's kind of never getting out of her own way and then ods and we found her and it was sad and like th- that whole sentiment of I think she finally made it back home really kind of hits wrong for me. Yeah, no, I think that's really um, so like Pat, you know, like of like yeah, like it, no, it's, it's one like of those this, ones like, where it's kind of tragedy, right? Well, and it's kind of go. It feels like it's going somewhere, and then yeah, that's not a good way. And then I mean, like, and, and that's so. There's that, mm-hmm. and then there's fucking skinhead wrong the last thing i wanted for my mother to cry it was love at first life the very first night things have never been the same because i took my first fight the way i live my life i love i live lavish like me from the start you lose you'll never have this untouched unleashed back up you don't want it sticking for his cash is back now we fought it take to it pass i take to it blast bust the motherfucker i'm out of this mag so yeah we got to explain I, I i think we've mentioned we've talked about skinhead a lot a lot but we yeah. haven't really said what it is so i'll do the fastest thing i can do of skinhead rock so <laughs> around this time before this album it came out that tim was working with like pro tools and drum machines and and making sort of a side project pop hip-hop record and it was really exciting and uh, we knew that Travis Barker was going to do the live drum. Like, Travis Barker was going to take the digital drums and play them live because he was very famous for being a very quick, nimble drummer, you know, the fastest drummer at one point. Um, and which is wild to think about him now and then. But, yeah. um, uh, and so, yeah, you heard about this and they kept saying, oh, our buddy Rob's going to sing on it. He does this sort of thing. I remember these quotes from like Brody talking about how much how cool his voice was and all this stuff uh that came out and it's just this kind of like very interesting musically record but it is the whitest skinheadest socal kind of skinhead dude singing about the dumbest shit in the world and he just yells screams every year lyric and they're the dumbest things you've ever heard in your life and you're like pretty sure he's never done any of these things and he's just this meathead idiot well and, and wasn't he like a ra- a roadie for them that's like where yeah, he started he was out for them and like agnostic front i think yeah. and like it's like everything you you know and this is another one of those things where like it's that mixture of like a, it sounds good when tim says like i want to take care of this guy i really like hanging out with him and i wanted to start something with him so he could have some you know money and and all right. these things and i care and you're also like is it just because he's the guy that would do what you say because you love you kind of control people when you're around them a little bit you know you create these families and Right, people are, who are susceptible right, to that right, are maybe right. less interesting. To, you know, again, I have this weird fear about that. You know, and and uh, transplants ended up being this real mixed disappointment because it was such a 
talked a lot about you know Tim trying new things. I think Tim, if uh, transplant record minus uh, skinhead Rob would actually have been really good. Um, and if they he had just gotten a bunch of hip hop like actual you know, California hip hop yeah. people, like they got a couple people, right? Um, like uh, Be Real and stuff is on one of the records, and some other people. It would have been cool, you know. Um, but it was very cheesy. I mean, it wouldn't have been super cool. I'll be all admit, but it would have been interesting, right? Like a fine thing. Uh, so transplants were really big around this time. It was kind of like a thing. Like they went on tour with a lot of big bands. They were doing more in that sort of year between 2000 and this record kind of being a thing. They, there was a lot of transplant stuff, and so they wanted to have Sean or uh, Rob uh, Rob Ashton on this track. <laughs> And he shows up and he does his thing. Um, what do you? What's your general feeling about this? Because I do have one thing I want to say about it. About uh, well, uh, just his the, verse. So it's like it's not the worst skinhead Rob performance, right? Like, <laughs> uh, like I, it, it's not as bad as I th- always think it's going to be. I'll admit, like the first few times I listen to this. Um, I don't know six uh, it's not been six months however many months ago and i again this came out after i was paying any attention really to rancid i didn't have any knowledge around it like i knew who skinhead rob was i didn't even realize that was him when i listened oh, really to i thought it was lars <laughs> because like if again if you could convince me that this is like lars trying to push himself and i was like well you good for you lars like <laughs> And then it was like no, we have heard Lars rap on this subsequent album, and right. it's it's even worse than this, right? So. And it, but still better than Matt Freeman. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's so like the the lyrics are stupid as fuck. They're yeah, I, they're really empty, um, and they end up being just these posturing like "I'll kill you with my gun." Yeah, tone, and it's it's, it's stupid. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not even close to real, even. But like. But, Here's the thing I will say. This is the most in the pocket he's ever been uh, rhythmically, I think. Yes. I mean, that's, a, yeah. Like, that's what I, this is the Not that he's best. all that in the pocket. He's no. just a lot better than normal. <laughs> this is the best you can hope for, I think. It, it really does feel like it, because it kind of just glides by. Like, if you don't pay attention to the lyrics, he kind of fits into the rhythm. It, you're kind of like, oh, okay. It still doesn't make a lot of sense on this beautiful arrangement on this song. Yeah, well, that's the thing that, so, so A, the lyrics, especially like you've just told this tragic story of this young woman dying of an overdose who'd been, had her shitty life. And now you're like posture, like what the he's fuck? He's like, he's just talking about all the money. I know, the way I live my life. I love, I live lavish. Go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the poor woman who died of an overdose because she, you know. What yeah, a fucking just, loser it, she must have been cuz yeah. oh it's so, and again and it's yeah. also like the song is really pretty and it's got this you know the the ba- the sort of you know I was just saying how I like this dichotomy of like pretty songs saying awful things but I fucking hate how it's underneath it you've got you know the music's kind of you know it kind of it's come down a little bit and it's got that Got these really great drum like bongo break yeah, and, in this whole section and, yeah and it's got those great harmonies underneath and then it's got this idiot yelling. 
about how just, rich and tough he is. He has one volume. Like, we're going to do something <laughs> with Transplants at some time. I'm going to force you to go deep on Transplants. Uh, I, I actually never got into their second he, does, he has one volume. Oh, my God. It reminds me of... Okay, this here's way obscure reference. Did you ever watch the Dana Carvey show? But yeah. No. So, me and my friend John and I. John, who is the other rancid obsessive in my life who actually was in town last week and i we hung out and talked about rancid um nice. <laughs> but um so when we when we must have been like 15 or something when the dana carvey show had it's like three episodes and we were fucking obsessed with it and but i, I every time i hear him yelling on this thing like you said he has one vault like i think of the skit the germans who say nice things <laughs> yeah. would you like a back rub you look beautiful in a tube top. I would like to volunteer for the big sale. It was a pleasure babysitting Kevin. Let's make snow angels. You are not getting older, you are getting better. May I interest you in a collection of soaps? Mr. Holland's opus is the feel-good movie of the year. Yeah, it's like everybody you've ever. I feel like you know. There's always that guy that comes up to you at like a like a DIY show who has one volume. You know, yeah, what I mean? it's and like, wants oh. to talk to you. Like he's just that guy. He just screams, sings bad verses that are like a white kid imitating gangster, like yes, California gangster rap, in a way that's so. Uh, just cringy and so transplants is a whole thing but like i do think there's some truth that if you just kind of turn off your brain which i think is part of this album in general yeah some songs will slide by and you'll be like i enjoyed that and if you really think about it you're like i don't know if i (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there's a couple yeah there's like a couple songs i like genuinely like i think like would put them in my mix of rancid songs. Yeah, I, I agree. But, like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm feeling today a little more down on it than I like think my larger is. You know, I, I think I am too, and I think, well, and I, I like for some reason in the last week I've listened to Troublemaker a lot. That's why I was on the AI art thing making pictures of Tim as a making Civil War portraits of Tim because <laughs> that's a great way to spend my time. Um, but so you know and it's and it, like and i think i i i enjoy that record so much more because of it wow. just it, it doesn't yeah i i think that's a great thing for me to think about is indestructible and troublemaker they're probably very close but for different reasons like one is going down and one is coming back up if that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah you know? absolutely like yeah. they're kind of passing each other they're they're they're, they're at this like apex but they hit a point they're kind of the same level of enjoyment for me but for completely different reasons like i have no expectations of troublemaker and i'm always happy that it's way more fun than i expect it to be (laughs) and then i have all these expectations for indestructible and kind of go "Ah, it just barely gets there it like it gets there it's good enough it's still a rancid record it's got some good flourishes there's a lot of vic on it you know um and so like and and i think red hot moon's a great example of that where there is you're exactly right uh, to be very fair to this song it's like the high highs of actual song writing of the melodies and, and the harmonies 
and the structure I really enjoy. Uh, topic is mixed, and then the Rob thing is like, bleh. you know, <laughs> like it's, and it's it's a great it's a great encapsulation of where they were right now, where they were, you know, and it's a great version for the fiftieth time of getting in your own way. Like this is so close to a great song, right? Like a really great, like top twenty. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the first if you, yeah, it's there's like musically. I mean, it is up there, but like they, yeah, certain things just, um, and like you said, if you're not, if you're not paying attention, it's like, you know, you're not really sitting and listening to it. It's like, oh, hell yeah. But then, yeah, when you sit down and kind of dig into it or pay closer attention, it's, there's, it's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's some problems. There's some, and that, and again, I think that's, it's a perfect encapsulation of Indestructible. And in that way, um, I think Indestructible is a way better record than I thought it was six months ago. Um, it's I, I still. Guess I, in, would just, I would describe my personal version of is it, it went way high on my list and it's kind of come down, but it's still higher than it was. Yeah, I think you know we kind of talked about this. I think there are three great rancid records, and it's all real muddy after that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And and it's starting for me to be kind kind of be a little muddy before that. No, I did. The, well, the th- yeah, I mean the three great the run starts with Outcome the Wolves. Yep. And so yeah, let's go. And, and everything else is this kind of melange of like, oh, there's a lot to like here, and there's a lot to hate here, and there's like some stuff that I think gets overly praised for being good but not great, and like, yeah, yeah. But like I I do think like we are really zeroing on in on that there was a run of three records that are quite near quite possibly perfect right and then then there's like the ones on the edge and this is one on the edge where it's like it's got a lot of that energy that made those records great but it's got a lot of the like beginning of the it's a disease like it's got the la shit man it's fucking yeah i mean that's really like it feels like it's so la even the cover just looks like you're like yeah a it's a really bad cover and b and it's trying so hard to be an outcome the wolves but uh, yeah, that's the most fucking LA fucking. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, Ugh. I don't, I don't need. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. but and so yeah, so that's enough about that. I think God, we've, yeah, gone, yeah, we've yeah. gone for a long time. I think people are gonna be like, God, shut the fuck up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so um, I guess we didn't talk about Brett, but sorry, Brett, we'll talk about you next time. I will say that I think Brett Reed. I I, I think people vastly under estimate how important he was to those to, in the game he's and, like, yeah, and he's just he's a rhythm for he's an amazing drummer like i was talking about this my friend john and we were talking about this last week when we saw and he was talking about how he'd seen rancid live over like a couple different tours and it was when he saw him i think it may have been on this tour like with brett it was amazing and then he saw him with the, uh, the new guy who's like that dude can't play the ska songs at all and he, he's very like precise kind of hardcore drummer it doesn't seem like he knows how to get yeah the and, ska bluesy stuff going at all and the other and the other thing he was talking about and and i noticed this on that um i put it in the in the notes of the live performance of this on conan when so you know we've talked about tim not playing guitar live hardly at all mm-hmm. and then when we were talking did old friend it was like oh he's doing the upstroke and it sounds really good and John was telling he's like every time I see them and they do the ska song Lars can't fucking play them he palm mutes it so it sounds like a metal song 
Like he can't play the up. So if Tim's not doing it, and so wow, watching watching the Conan thing, like them play it live, like Lars is doing, it doesn't sound as good. Like he's play, he is. He's like oh, muting it. It's like for somebody who is so immensely talented as Lars, like because Lars he carries them live, and yeah, totally. It and so I kind of started going back and watching some videos, and I was like, wow, he really. Can't seem to like figure out the upstroke it's really anyway i thought it was pretty funny um uh yeah okay enough about this so uh you got you got your turn to pick you've had like a month to think about this yeah i i've I've gone a million directions basically uh you can't so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this might not affect it at all but you can't pick something from life won't wait yes I, I, I impose that on myself because okay. I'm just going to do that for the rest of time. Like, it's so easy to pick. Something. I know. If you want something different, you can just go, okay, now we're doing this. You that's know? that's but, why I picked this because I was like, you know what? I got to like get out of this rut of Life Won't Wait or Outcome of And guess what? Life Won't Wait is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have a very – I if I gave you 20 guesses, I don't think you would pick this song. But uh, Is it I off of an pick. album? Or is it like a beat? It is. Okay, it is. Okay. I'm not. I have a couple in my pocket that are like very obscure tracks, yeah, but like this is fully from an album, and um, I w- I think it may be the most experimental structure of any song. Oh. And we're going to talk about next time. We're going to talk about Axiom. Ah. Oh. Okay. Good. We. I was. I. I've been thinking like how. We both are always like, it's my favorite record, and we've talked about it once in 15 minutes. Plus, yeah, <laughs> like not the song that you would think of. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, okay. So a great example of the weirdness of that record and the weird experimentalism of that record, Axiom. Awesome. Are. Okay. That's a, yeah, good deal. All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. I don't know today. Um, <laughs> you can find us on twitter and on instagram at rancid pod and as always we will see you next week see ya (laughs) 